Canyoneering is a dangerous sport which could land you ass over tea kettle. The hosts of this podcast are too lazy to Google, and therefore, all information presented is suspect. Listening to this podcast may actually make you dumber. To ensure safety, listeners should consult a psychic and a Ouija board before entering any canyon. And now, the unqualified hosts of the Canyon Tech Podcast, Wayne and Vin. Hey, everybody. Thanks for coming back. This is Wayne. Vin, say hi to our listeners. Hello. Heartfelt as always, Vin. Vin, I realized something, and that on every other podcast that I listen to, they always say, tell your friends and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts because that helps get the word out. We don't care, Wayne. You're right, Vin. We don't really we don't really care about that. So what we want to talk about today is a continuation of what we talked about last time, which were rescue options. But today we're going to talk about advanced rescue options. So these are very advanced techniques that you hope you will never use. And we're going to talk about the concepts because they're they're difficult to go through in great detail. There's a lot of different ways to do them. These are inherently more dangerous because on a number of them, you're putting the rescuer a second person at risk. And sometimes you're putting them on the same anchor. So you might have to look at marginal anchors or using a separate anchor for the rescue. You may be shifting the victim from one rope to another. And so therefore you'd be disconnecting them along the way, which is inherently dangerous mid-wall. And then also sometimes you're going to be on the same rope as that first person. So you can understand some of the concerns relative to that. The level of canyoneering that we're talking about it's 100% true what we've said before is that there is no single solution to these things. And so you're going to have to think through each step of the process. Even us telling you one example of how to do it may not be enough. What else do we want to make sure that our listeners do with this kind of knowledge and some of the concepts that we're going to talk about today, Vin? A lot of these concepts are kind of hard to know right at the, at the time what you're going to use. So a lot of them require practice, practice with the teams that you're going to go with. And there are some ground things that you should be thinking about using a solid set of anchors that you're going to be going off. Uh, you could be using a top belay uh, in addition to the rope that you're on. You could also be thinking about additional forms of protection, like a bouldering crash pad, and also choosing a spot that maybe is a little bit low angle, Uh, that would reduce some of the risks for when you need to do it for real. So when you're doing this kind of practice, you're going to make it as safe as possible, both for you as the rescuer, if you're going to go down and say, do a pickoff rescue and whoever is playing your victim. So one or both of you is going to want to be on these extra ropes that obviously you won't have in the Canyon, but you're going to want to keep everybody safe. And then also I would suggest when people are playing the victim on rope that you have them do a couple of different things, right? So you might want to have a small adult versus a large adult. So you understand the difference or maybe a a child. So you understand the differences in their weight and what that does to say a pickoff rescue. You may want them to be pretending to be injured or unconscious. And so in some instances, you could say to them, hey, hand me your hand me your tether, and then you clip, clip them in or short clip them. And in other cases, they can pretend to not be even conscious. And so you're going to have to try to figure out how to reach down and get the tether off of their side if it's clipped into that. So what are the other 
considerations, Vin, besides the practice, when we're actually doing some of these rescues, what do we want to take into consideration? What do we want to make sure that we have in the system? A key point would be redundancy in the system. A good example is, can the anchor withstand twice the load or more if you're applying mechanical advantage? And thinking about things like, what happens if your prusik slips? If you're doing it for a raise and it's at the wrong moment, you're just about to shift something, the redundancy, will it catch it? Is there a backup to it? And what if, you know, in terms of redundancy, you've attached this person to you, uh, there's only one point of connection. If that fails, what are the consequences? So in my mind, one of the best practices that you can apply is adding a third point of attachment before you disconnect a second. So there's always two points of connection. As you're trying to set up this rescue system, again, the more complex, the more this becomes important. You have to think through every step of that plan and maybe even have a contingency perhaps with people up top because you don't want to have two people stuck because now you have an even a bigger issue. So what you're going to want, if you're leading this rescue, and I would suggest that one person being the lead, even if you have uh, more than one that's competent, you decide what the plan A is and perhaps what the plan B is. So especially if there's communication issues, you're going to do a pickoff. You'd say, hey, if I'm not off or if this rope becomes slack, then do this. So that way you've got an option if the first option isn't working out well. A couple of things that we want to repeat from last time, Vin, just so our listeners know that these are advanced. So these aren't going to be your first or even second choices. So remind us what would be the first choice always if someone is stuck on repel? The first and best choice is always going to have the person self-rescue or send themselves. But this comes into play when they might be injured or they don't know how. So then your second best choice is to rig releasable and lower the person. In general, prevention is always going to be the best. If you rig releasable, it gives you a ton of options. Having enough rope at the top gives you a lot of other things that you can do. Having the right person at the right place, usually on top, they'll be able to effectuate a rescue with the knowledge and the equipment. And then the type of stuff that that person would do is a temporary shift is going to be a lot easier than trying to do a full raise. Converting from a static block to a lower. And if then, if nothing is possible, then you have to start considering other options. So the key in all of those things, once we've gotten to the point where maybe either those don't work or they're not ideal for various situations, usually because they're seriously injured or unconscious, so they can't participate in that part of the rescue, you're going to want to make sure that you have the advanced equipment that we've talked about in a couple of our other podcasts. So these progress capture pulleys, mechanical ascenders, rope man, tie block, those kinds of rope grabs, multiple prussics. You could borrow them from others if you only have one, but you're going to want to have a couple with you if you're the one who's doing this rescue. And slings, again, maybe as a safety, having a second point of attachment, make sure you've got your tether and then some extra cord with you. And we'll talk about why that is helpful. So one of the first things that we want to talk about is doing a full raise. Give me at least one example, then of reasons why you might do a full raise instead of, say, a lower. A good reason to do a full raise is you're going on the first rappel into a canyon. And maybe you're with a new team and you're not necessarily sure about their capabilities. And all of a sudden, like things aren't going great. Like there might be an injury or the person's just super scared and they're really not happy about this situation. 
instead of going through and trying to force the situation, I would be much more inclined to just do a full raise and then just get out of the canyon. Similarly, speaking as a, as a SAR person, I would have my eyes toward if there's an injury, where is the best place for a helicopter to come winch us out of there, or at least the victim out. If the rappel that I'm on is far more open, and it as opposed to if we keep going, we're going into a slot where we might not be able to have signal on our Garmin, or a helicopter may not be able to find us, I would much rather raise the person back up to that open area and wait for search and rescue, as opposed to lowering everybody down and getting into a slot that may be more difficult to get out of. Van, give me another example of why I might want to do a full raise. Sometimes your options are just limited by lack of information. If I know that the person hasn't gotten enough repel and it's been more than long enough for them to get down, but I can't see them, I can't communicate, or I'm not necessarily sure what's at the bottom, my best option then is probably going to go through the effort of doing a full raise to make sure that none of those other options were more dangerous than I thought. And I'll add one more. So if you need to ascend, sometimes in canyons, an ascent is part of the plan. You're just backing out of maybe one or two rappels or the entire canyon because that's the way the canyon is set up. But if you have people on your team that you realize they don't know how to ascend or they're having some real struggles ascending, then you're better off go ahead and pulling them up. One of the first things you're going to do if you know you're going to pull them all the way back up and do a full raise, if you can communicate with them, I'd make sure that they've tied off you want to make sure that they put a safety knot in below, like an alpine butterfly, they could clip into it for safety, because ideally you want them to be hands-free so that either they're protecting themselves as they're being raised from banging into the rocks, or they're helping climb so the system, they obviously can get much lighter if they can get some feet on the wall and maybe a hand here or there and help climb up as they go. But we've talked before about rigging for a raise and a short raise, Vin. And what we're talking about here isn't technically any different than that conceptually. There are a few things though. One is it could be more physically demanding. So if you've got a person who's relatively light and you just have to do a, a temporary shift onto another rope, you could just a couple of your buddies pull on that rope directly, hold them in place, secure them for a period of time till they get off their descender, and then you could lower them back down. But you're not talking about that here. So moving them up three feet could be possible with brute force, but not 100 feet. What are you going to have to set up in this case, and how are you going to manage that, Vin, for a full raise? For doing a full raise, a lot of times, especially with a heavier person, you're going to start talking about mechanical advantage. And then you're also going to be able to capture progress and be able to reset the system repeatedly. You'll have to install the three to one, sliding the prusik down to increase the length of the rope that you're going to use, and then pull it up, allowing the rope grab to catch and then resetting that repeatedly. We talked last time about if you have a three to one, for every three feet that you're moving the system up top, you're really only moving your victim one foot. So you have to have as much length between your anchor and however far you can reset that system. That's part of the, the overall planning as to where you're going to anchor and do you have enough length and distance so that you can reset the system as few times as possible or set it in a more positive way you can maximize the amount of raise each time you're doing that. 
So you have a couple of different options when you're doing a ray, a full raise and someone's stuck on repel. Give me the first option, Vin. A great option is you send down a separate rope like we did before with the temporary lift. It needs to be long enough to reach them and you'll be able to be able to get it to them in a, in a good way. Like it might be around the corner or a little bit off route. So you'll need to be able to traject it towards them. Even better, and one of my favorites, is sending them down a loop. So you'll send them down a loop with the progress capture pulley, like a Spock or a nano traction already connected. And then when they clip into that connection point, you've already kind of rigged up your two to one advantage because that might be enough to just raise them directly. Also, it gives them the ability to help by pulling on the anchor side. If you need more, you can make a three to one up top and now you have a six to one. And as an aside, you can do that same drop a loop and create a two to one with a nano traction or a Spock, some progress capture pulley for getting somebody out of a pothole. So if you're not doing a full raise, you're just somebody's in a very deep pothole. You push the first person out. If they're strong enough, they can just anchor a rope, short rope, drop the loop to you clip you into that Spock and help you as you're trying to scramble out of that pothole. The second option is you can just put a rope grab of some kind, Prusik or a mechanical sender onto their rappel rope and then set up a three to one that way. So you could either use the other half of the rope that they're not on that's behind the block, or you can use a separate rope. So again, you and I carry 30 feet or about eight to nine meters worth of seven millimeter cord for this purpose so that we can put the rope grab on to that rappel, put a progress capture device into the system as well, and then set up our three to one, five to one, nine to one, whatever we think we need in order to be able to do that. So the key is to make sure we're capturing the progress of their main rappel line and we have the ability to reset the system, which as we talked about before, sliding that pressic or the mechanical rope grab closer toward the victim and then pulling on it again. This is where we would suggest our listeners watch the YouTube videos on ways to set up a three to one, a five to one. Obviously there's a mix of devices that you can use. So the progress capture pulleys, the pressics, the ascenders that are mechanical rope grabs. But the key is to understand where to capture the progress and where to not capture it because you have to reset that system. If you put a Spock in the wrong place, you won't be able to extend the system back out again for the next lift. That's if you're going to raise them all the way back up. Again, a lot of hairy details in that that you're going to want to make sure that you're comfortable with. But here's another one that's tricky. So you've done a throw and go, toss and go, right? So you just ran the, the rope through. The person went down on double and let's say they got their shirt stuck on rappel and they don't know how to self-rescue. You have some choices. You have some options. Obviously, because it's not rigged for a lower and they're on both sides of the rope, you have a few options. And tell me about those options, Van. These options get less great, right? This is kind of why the double rope rappels are not very popular with the more advanced canyoneers because all the options aren't as convenient. The first way to do it, and probably the, the best option, is you can pull them up temporarily on another line using some of the techniques that we discussed. And that gives them enough slack and enough space to be able to correct the problem themselves. The second option would be to convert this double strand to lower. And the third option would be raise them all the way up, which is actually quite different than trying to raise them on single rope technique. Because you're going to want to treat both lines as one when you're wrapping your pressic, or you're going to have to put individual mechanical ascenders on both lines and then pull them up together. So there's some trickiness there that are it's a little bit different than just raising a person who's on single rappel. 
So let's talk through that converting to lower. You're going to have to first do an anchor analysis because it's going to be different based on whether you can open the repeat or not. And if there's webbing that can be cut or if you've got chains, which obviously cannot be cut. So let's go with the first one, Vin. If you can't open the repeat because it's you know rusted shut and you're on webbing, talk me through what that looks like. Again, we're going to do a lower. They're on double. They're stuck. They can't self-rescue. We got to get them down. How are we going to get that rope out of the repeat? How are we going to manage that lower when we've got a system already set up and everything is locked in? In this particular situation, what I would do, I would set up for a lower on a new rope. I would connect a new rope, set up for descent, and clip directly to the repeat. I would tie it off, get it tensioned as much as I can. Then I would cut the webbing. This is kind of why it gets a little bit hairy. I would cut the webbing. Now it should transfer over to the rope that I've just set. And then I would, from there, I would just lower like normal. And because we're cutting, there might be a little bit of jolt to the system, but we don't have to raise them at all. Though the second way to manage that is if you can open the repeat, just set up the new rope for a lower and tie it off like Vin just talked about. Make a figure eight on the end of that rope on a bite and you're going to clip it to the rappel rope. It's a loop. You're going to clip that in and that's what we're going to use again to do that lower. But because we can open the repeat, instead of cutting the webbing, all we have to do is do a temporary lift. So put our prussic around both sides of the rope, create a three to one, or if you're strong enough to just do a brute force, lift them up a little bit so that we've got slack in that loop that goes through the repeat, then open the repeat, pull that slack out. You're going to release the weight onto the new rope and then lower them as normal. So that way we don't have to cut the anchor apart. We're just taking that loop of rope out by pulling it up slightly. And that lift doesn't have to be but inches because it is not much to get the weight off of the repeat. The third challenge that we've got here, Vin, is let's say that there's chains and the repeat doesn't open. So I can't open it like I just described and you can't cut it like you described. Now, what does that look like? This is my worst case scenario, right? I can't cut the chains. I can't cut the repeat. There's really only one thing left that I can cut. What I'm going to do is I'm going to set up a temporary lift on the two ropes, treating them as one. And then when I have enough slack, I tell an alpine butterfly on each side of the rope, connect them together with a beaner, connect that to the rope that I'm going to use to lower. And then I would release the prussic enough to weight the rescue line. And then I would cut the rappel rope kind of close to the repeat. And then it would be free and shifted to the rescue rope. And then I would lower as normal. So obviously cutting your rope is never ideal. We've just described how to do it in a, in a safe way. It's also, as Vin mentioned at the start, one of the reasons not to send everybody down double. There's a version of the scenario that we just talked about, Vin, where let's say someone is going down double. One side is down the rope is actually generally long enough, but you didn't throw enough of one side out. So now they're short. Now you and I use a technique with our scarabs where you can just wrap the short side and self belay down a little bit till you get both ends to the bottom. Might be a little bit trickier in a critter or some of the other figure eight like devices. So another option, so they tie off down below. They say, hey, I'm too short. How are you going to help them get down the rest of the way? This is one of the techniques we actually sometimes use when we're not sure that we can see the bottom. Now we just have to do it because we weren't smart enough to do it at the beginning. I would shift them up using one of the techniques, build enough slack, put a stone knot in to isolate the strands. Now, technically, they could repel on either side. So then they would just 
rappel is normal and one side is going to be short but when they end on that rope and they come off they can just continue to safely down single strand on the one that they have remaining and then obviously once you have someone down they can adjust and tell you how to adjust the rope so both sides are down again that solves our double rope problem in a couple of different ways let's go to another scenario where you have someone that's rappelled down they're stuck maybe they're injured seriously they're unconscious and so you're a little afraid to lower them because maybe there's water below, you can't communicate with them, you don't want to lower an unconscious person into a pool that could be a challenge. We're in a scenario where you're not getting waterboarded, so we're not talking about where there's active water that's pummeling them. I think the ideal in that case would be to go ahead and lower them. So this is just a case where you're you're having to go down on a separate rope and do a pickoff. You're going to get them off of their rope and help them down the rest of the way. Again, a serious injury is the most logical way or an unconscious person to make this happen because they can't do much. This is one of the most technical of the rescue options. You're putting two people at risk on rope and ideally you're on different anchors, but if you have bomber anchors, you know, bolts, etc., you may be on that same anchor just on a different rope. The concept is the rescue is you're going to go down, Vin, and you're going to go down to a certain point and talk me through a little bit more about next steps once I've reached them on a separate rope that's well anchored at the top. What you're going to try and do that you, you've come down, you're going to transition the injured person to the rope with you. And then the rescuer will manage the descent for both for himself and the victim. As you go down on the rescue rope, we'll call it, you're going to need to get that injured person onto your rope, onto your descender. One of the things that you're going to want is mechanical advantage. Again, unless you're relatively strong, you know that they're a child that you can lift just by grabbing their harness and lifting them directly, but you're going to want to set up a three to one. So ideally you do this at the top. You're going to take some cordage. This 30 feet that we carry with us is a good piece of equipment for that. And then you're going to create the three to one. It's going to start from the beaner that you're going to ultimately clip into the victim. It goes up through either a progress capture pulley or just a, a basic pulley goes back down. So now you've got your up, down, up through your three to one, and you may want to run it through one more time just for convenience and do a redirect on that three to one. You'll clip that into your descender. The other side, you just clip into your, your left side, and then that will be what's at the ready for when you reach them. Before I start repelling, I'm not going to do a normal repel. Talk to me a little bit about why I might want to be on extended repel. Being on extended repel or having a higher connection point, a different way to say it, is going to give you advantages when you reach the person. In general, one way to think about it is it's the opposite of a tandem repel. You want the person to be starting off below you. When you reach the person, you'll be about as far away as you can. And then by connecting into them, it gives you a lot more room to work with because you're going to be trying to use the three to one or if you're strong enough to lift them onto your device. One other consideration when you're up top is how heavy is that person and what friction you're going to need. You and I use scarabs, which you can wrap many, many times. So even though, Vin, you and I are both larger individuals, I could still go down, get you onto my scarab and safely repel the rest of the way. I don't know that I could say that about a critter. Another option is if I think I'm going to need a lot more friction, 
I could actually put a second device into the system. So you and I always carry your basic figure eight descenders, and this is one of the uses for them. So I could clip into a figure eight and clip into a critter. And then when I go down, there's two devices that are taking the friction of the people, in the first case, me, and then when I transition the person to that set of devices, then it'll handle the weight much better because it's distributed across a couple of different devices, more friction points. So that's just another option that you have to make the decision from the top before you start going down. So now we're going to go rappel down to that person. Tell me a little bit about what that looks like, Vin, as I'm going down. So you're all set up to go down. You have all the gear and you have a plan. You're going to rappel down with a VT Prusik as a, as a backup, but you stay above them just enough so that you can reach them. Then you weight your Prusik so that you can free up your device. And then now's a good time to girth hitch a sling into their main attachment point and then clip it into either your descender or your main harness loop. This is kind of where we start talking about like the redundancy. If they're light and you're strong enough, you can actually just lift them and then short clip their tether to the descender. If they're heavier, then that's why you built the three to one. You'll use that, clip it to them, and then clip the other end, or if it's already clipped to your device, use that to pull them up and then short clip them. The other option too, actually, is if you build the three to one with progress capture, when you raise them onto your device, then that can be the main point of attachment. Yes. And in this scenario, when I've reached the person, I've tied off my descender. So everything is nice and safe until I'm ready to repel again, if that's indeed how we're going to both go down. Again, they could lower us the rest of the way, but as a rescuer, I prefer to be in control because they can't see me from above. However, I have them, either I've short clipped their tether or we left them on that three to one, there's progress capture, or maybe we put a, a mule with an overhand to secure it. But either way, everything is as secure as possible. They're on that descender. And so now I can go back on to repel and bring us both down. Another thought is if they are severely injured, they may not want to be banging into the wall. In this scenario, generally, they would just be down to my left, lower than me. As I'm rappelling, they're moving their feet and we're happily going down together. But if they're severely injured, that may not be possible. So one option, and again, the reason why we wanted to be on extended rappel is so their attachment point is longer. I can just take that whole attachment point, the sling or that set of three to one cords and put them over my shoulder. So now as I'm going down the wall, they are further away and hanging off the wall because my upper body is holding them. That can be one option. The other is I could raise them on that three to one high enough so that they're hanging above me on my lap. And now I have one hand around their waist. And so as I go down, I am pulling them away from the wall again to help them with their injuries or to nurse them as we go down together. That's just a couple of options for that pickoff. But the key is when you're transitioning them from their descender onto yours and onto your rope, make sure you always have a couple points of attachment and add a point of attachment before you remove another one. There's another type of rescue where you're rescuing them from below. Give me a scenario, Vin, where that's needed. 
this could happen if the last person gets stuck when they're going down and they can't rescue themselves. A lot of times we're sequencing and perhaps it's just that your or your most experienced person is already down and nobody above can do this rescue. And so they're going to have to be able to come up from the bottom. Conceptually, this is like passing the knot on an ascent. And then once you get above them, that's when you're going to have to start switching into rescue mode. Like a pickoff rescue. If you build the three to one before you go up, because again, you've got to get their weight off of their descender in our scenario because it's stuck. So building that three to one before you go up with 30 feet of cord is a good idea. You're going to send the rope. Once you reach them, it's not a bad idea to safety clip a sling into their main harness and to you as an attachment point. You're going to be taking many things on and off as you go past them. And so having that second point of attachment is always a great idea, especially if you're using Prusik as opposed to mechanical ascenders. The things that are great about a Prusik is you can make it slip. So if you're ever going from ascending like in this case, to repel again at some point. Having a pressic that you can release to wait to be able to allow you to wait your descender is great, but the downside of pressics are they will hold till they don't. And when they don't, they will slip catastrophically and may not grab again. Once you've gotten those ascenders above them, you can use your three to one, pull their weight off of their device. They can clear the device and then let them get back on repel. So you're going to hang out on those ascenders while they go down the rest of the way, assuming that they're capable of doing that. And then you just have to put your device into the system, convert to repel, go down on your merry way as well. So that's what a rescue from below looks like. Hey, Vin, let's take a quick break and come right back with one more rescue. Option. Today's podcast is brought to you by the Cactus Pack. Sit in a cactus again? Everything you need is in one convenient package. First, there are straws with a short one to decide who has to pluck the needles out of your naked lily white behind. Next, a tweezers, which will give you the impression your friend is doing something as he intently stares at your butt cheek longer than any human has. Lastly, there's duct tape to rip off every last cactus needle, hair follicle, and skin tag on your dairy air in one painful stroke. The Cactus Pack, testing your friend's loyalty since 1999. What do you think of that, Vin? That sounds great. I want one of those. Thanks, Vin. All right, let's talk about one last option, which of all of these is probably my least favorite. And that is you're going to rescue the person using the same rope that they're on coming from the top. So Vin, tell me a scenario where this might be needed. Yeah, this is getting a little bit a little bit strange and probably won't happen very often, but it's still something good to know, at least conceptually, and maybe get some practice in. So one possible scenario is a person went down on one rope, and they had the only other rope for the sequence. Like there was a midpoint anchor. They were going to set it up and go down. Now maybe they passed the anchor, weren't able to find it, it wasn't there, and they don't know how to ascend or pass a knot. So really, you don't have a lot of great options. You're going to need to go down on their rope 
to the next anchor and rescue them from there or all the way get all the way down to them and get the rope and then ascend back and and set up the problem is that you can't get your descender onto their system because their rope is weighted imagine on a weighted rope trying to pull it through your critter and onto your carabiner that's not going to work and even if you could that person's weight is just going to belay you the whole way down so you can't move so what we were taught in canyoneering class vin is you put a vt prusik on a rope french braid like you normally would do as a backup and then you ever so gently release it to move yourself down that same rope and let me say this is one of the scariest things that i've ever had to do in even practice this is one where in class we put on a top belay to make sure that we didn't pull the prusik too much at any given time it is very hard to control the speed because it's either always too much or too little those vts are like hair trigger when you're trying to release them. So if you have to do this, and I'll suggest an entirely different way in a second, I would also put a second Prusik as a backup connected lower, maybe directly into your main harness loop. So on the VT or on an extension like you normally would be as a backup, and then have a second Prusik that you're minding with your other hand, because you're not really repelling as much as you are gently trying to release that Prusik. And so that way, if your VT starts to slip too much and you start to go too fast, you would just let go with your second pressic, hopefully it will grab, then you can reset your VT and try it all over again. The obvious thing here is that is one of the last things that you're going to want to do. But in this scenario, which has happened in real life, we may talk about in a future episode, not to us, but to others, it may be necessary. There's a slightly alternate idea then, which is you may not have enough rope up top, but in theory, you would always have some pull cord or maybe even, you know, six millimeter pull cord or even three millimeter Dyneema, what might be an option that would be slightly better? Going down unquestionable rope is never going to be great, but it is rated for the weight that we're talking about, especially if we're going slow. There may be some considerations with heat, which you would have to consider and and speed and friction, but it would technically work. A a good idea to do would be you could actually still use your Prusik on the weighted rappel line. And that way, as you're going down on the pull cord or or even worse options, you're still being backed up to the primary rappel rope. If you have it, the worst case is that Dyneema cord breaks and now you're suddenly back on the VT, which was what we were taught in class as the option for going down. So once you get to that person, you've got a whole nother set of challenges that we're not going to go into because maybe you get the rope and then you ascend back up to the next anchor. So now you can do a rescue. Maybe you tie that rope on and just pass the knot and don't worry about your ropes and get the other person past the knot. This is only the first part of all the trickiness that you're going to have once you reach that person. But we have talked about some of the different options that you've got once you've done that. That's a great set of advanced techniques. To repeat, I would absolutely make sure that you're practicing those in a smaller wall, in a nice controlled situation where you've got some backups and keep your fingers crossed that you're not going to need those out in the field. Thanks for listening and we'll talk to you again next time.